Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and much, much more.
Good morning. Welcome to worship today, this rainy Sunday. I've come to think of worship as worship 2.0. We come to you live from the sanctuary, and while our space is empty, we feel your presence here from the comfort of your own homes. We are grateful to our worship team who have arrived this Sunday morning. We're so thankful to them, to our ministerial intern, Sharon Weld, to our singers, Asher Davidson, Brielle Marina Nelson, and our pianist, Bill Gans. And while our organ does remain silent, though we were all playing air organ before we came live, we are so lucky for Reiko's recordings to grace our services. And our thanks to our intrepid behind-the-scenes team, to our Sexton Roberto, who unlocks the building, who makes sure we have heat to keep us warm here and to take good care of us, lighting our candelabra behind us. To our tech superstars, Jonathan Silk on sound and also drums this morning, to Eric Shackelford at the camera, and to Joe Chapeau, who's monitoring the service online. We thank them all, and we thank you again for being here. If this is your first time with us this morning, welcome, it's great to have you. Uh, please follow along uh, in the order of service, which you'll find online, and there's helpful links to help you feel connected to our church during this time of being apart together. Our offering this morning, and will be for the weeks coming, will help to support our ministerial discretion fund. We are raising money to help members in need during this time, if they've had a job loss or just in needs of some assistance that we wanna be here to support them, and also to raise money for organizations that are helping people during this pandemic that may be outside our community. So if you're able to, uh, please click on the donate button. We would appreciate your gifts, and of course, checks are welcome too. We also want to remind you that we are going to have virtual coffee hour after the service, which has been a wonderful uh, part of how we've been doing Worship 2.0. And so uh, please, you'll see the link uh, there again in the, in the live stream for you to join us. We are grateful again for our hosts, uh, Alex Starr and Jonah Berquist for hosting. So please come. We're so glad to have you with us this morning. And we light this candle as we gather together in the spirit of love and as we gather to worship. You'll find uh, in your order of service the words to our opening hymn, number 347, Gather the Spirit.
chalice lighting. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. And now for some brief invitations. Good morning, everyone out there at home. I'm Sharon Well, the ministerial intern here at First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. For those of you who are visiting with us, please look for the links in the order of service or in the notes on the YouTube page, which will show you how to get connected to all that's going on in this congregational life, in this new chapter of our figuring out what that means. There are links to sign up to get our weekly and monthly newsletters, which you'll find useful to get. They're the best way to keep up to date. And for our members, to remind you, we're continuing our effort to reach out to every member to find out how you're doing and if there's anything you need help or support with. Also, an update on our 2021 annual pledge drive. As of today, with 142 pledges accounted for, we've raised $470,000 in individual pledges and 40,000 in institutional pledges. Thank you so very much for your generosity and commitment in this difficult time. It's a beautiful demonstration of your living into the values of this church. And of course, pledges of any amount are welcome and greatly appreciated. And one additional update, which is, you're invited to join Reverend Vanessa's poetry class, which will be meeting on Thursdays from noon to one during the month of April. If you wanna participate, email Vanessa and she'll send you the Zoom link for video or the call-in number for phone participation. Send a favorite poem to Vanessa too if you want to share it, but make sure to send it in advance so she can make a plan for the luncheon program. So that's the end of announcements. It's wonderful to be with you all this morning and we'll now move to our breathing meditation led by our wonderful musicians, Asher and Brielle. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, when I breathe in I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I breathe in, when I breathe in, I breathe in peace. breathe in,
Let us join together in our covenant followed by our doxology. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth and freedom and to help one another. take a moment to receive the offerings of the day. Your generous support of our ministerial discretion fund is greatly appreciated. Please now enjoy the music by Asher Davidson. Spend all your time waiting for that second chance For a break that would make it okay There's always some reason To feel not good enough And it's hard at the end of the day I need some distraction Oh, beautiful relief Memories seep from my veins Let me be empty Oh, weightless And maybe I'll find some peace tonight In the arms of the angel Fly away that you feel you are pulled from the wreckage of your silent reverie you're in the arms of the angel may you find comfort here So tired of the street line Oh, and everywhere you turn There's vultures and thieves at your back The storm keeps on twisting you keep on building the lies That you make up for all that you lack It don't make no difference Escaping one last time It's easier to believe In this sweet madness Oh, this glorious sadness that brings me to my knees. 
hotel room and the endlessness that you feel you are pulled from the wreckage of your silent reverie you're in the Recognizing there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophe, we ring our gong today in honor of two such instances of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong as we have done since last September in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. And we let its ringing symbolically stand also for those adults who lost their lives and for those who remain, many separated from their families and many who wait in makeshift refugee camps at our border. And today, we also ring our gong for other losses, those most on our minds this week, those lost to the virus we know by name, as of Saturday, worldwide, there were 59,221 deaths from COVID-19. 7,403 were in the United States. We ring our gong for these lives too. May we keep those we have named and their families in our thoughts and prayers and may we ease the tide of human suffering howsoever we can. Let us gather our hearts together in a time of prayer. Loving presence that moves in us, around us, and sustains us, be with us now. We extend our prayers to those in need of our love and compassion. To those grieving the loss of loved ones, may our love surround you and hold you in this time. To those who are sick and in need of healing, may our love surround you 
and hold you in this time. To the first responders and caregivers, may our love surround you and hold you in this time. To those who have lost their jobs or fear losing their jobs, may our love surround you and hold you in this time. To those providing valuable service to help sustain us and keep us safe, may our love surround you and hold you in this time. To all present here, holding so much in our hearts in this time of uncertainty, may love surround us and hold us in this time. Let us join a time of silent reflection and be held in that love. May the arms of the angels be around us. Please join me in a time of silence. Amen.
Our first reading this morning is a poem by Kitty O'Mara entitled, And the People Stayed Home. And the people stayed home and read books and listened and rested and exercised and made art and played games and learned new ways of being and were still and listened deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently and the people healed. And in the absence of people living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. So ends the reading. As we stay at home and watch this pandemic unfold before our eyes, peace of mind may feel in short supply. I wonder if it's time to honor slower, simpler things, maybe bits of ease hiding in plain sight. There are silver linings to be seen. We're connecting and caring with each other in all sorts of creative ways. I saw a drive-by birthday party near my house the other day. For a little girl turning seven alone was too much to bear. So mom and dad made huge birthday, happy birthday letters and put them in the yard. And friends drove by honking and singing happy birthday while flinging gifts and even a cake out on the street. Another neighbor put out a huge poster board on an easel in the sidewalk. This grateful family had taken pictures of all the gardens in the neighborhood and made a huge thank you collage for all the neighbors. There are many more things like that to make us smile. But we're forced also to deal with what is hard, the grief, the worry, the pain that we all are feeling together. The hope is there that new awareness of what we value in our lives will arrive. Robert Browning Hamilton reminds us of that possibility in a poem. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chattered all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. It's hopeful and interesting to me that many of the wisest and most joyful human beings I know of have experienced tremendous suffering in their lives and have emerged from it in a place of wisdom and abiding peace. I think first of Thich Nhat Hanh, the Zen Buddhist monk that many of you know, I'm sure. He is no stranger to suffering, but if you've ever been in his presence, you've felt the peace that is his. So in this time, I was drawn to his little book called Being Peace. One simple idea about emotions caught my attention. In Buddhist psychology, emotions are described in three ways, he says, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Neutral is not a construction of emotion I ever learned in the West, but I'm finding it helpful. In this Buddhist view, there is space to be found between and beyond the opposites of pleasant and unpleasant. So if someone yells at you and says mean things, usually we think of that as an unpleasant feeling. And on the other side, if someone says good things, we usually think of that as pleasant. 
But what if you're just sitting there? What is that? I don't think we tend to name that state so much. We might even call it nothing. But Thich Nhat Hanh suggests this neutral place is undervalued, that perhaps there's deeper truth hiding in that simple state. What if that is when you're being most yourself, most at home, most at ease? What if that middle zone is basic human happiness, just being there, steady, and at peace. The goods and bads, the Buddhists say, are just our momentary views, our interpretations of reality at the time. They come and go quite quickly in our lives, often flinging us left and right emotionally, like the well-known Buddhist fable of the farmer with his good, bad luck. In a very shortened version, the story goes like this. The farmer is out plowing his fields with his old sick horse, and feeling compassion for his horse, he lets it go to roam in the, fiel in the fields in peace. Too bad, the villagers say, now you have no horse. But later, the horse returns and brings with him 12 new and healthy horses. Good luck, they say. It's good to have those horses. But then the farmer's son tries to train those horses and breaks his leg. Too bad, they say. You've had bad luck. But later, the country is at war and the son is deemed unfit to fight. Ah, they say, good luck you have. The boy's leg finally heals, but now he has a limp. Too bad, of course, but he's the only young man in the town who survives the war. And on it goes, you get the idea. Between the seesaw of good and bad, I wonder, can we recognize those times when we have felt this simple, peaceful space, this place of simply being, being present, and at ease. For me, those times that come to mind are varied. I could be still, I could be active. It's the feel of it that matters. Walking in the hills, breathing, watching sky and trees, or I'm at home absorbed in the simple steps of making carrot soup. Those so-called neutral times can be anything, of course. One has to find one's own. I'm sure you know what makes a moment full all by itself for you. So what if we practiced every day to find those often overlooked places of presence and of ease? What if we planned them as recovery in the day? What if this neutral zone were named a time of value Perhaps we'd change ourselves for good, finding happiness in life in tiny ways. Some say we'd cause a revolution, one calm person at a time, and soon the world will follow suit. Perhaps what the poet says can possibly come true. And the people stayed at home they learned new ways of being and were still. And when the danger passed, they made new choices and created new ways to live. May we do so now. Amen. Tell me where a man might find
Moses There's nothing that he can say It's just old Luke And Luke's waiting on the judgment day Well, Luke, my friend What about young Adeline? He said, do me a favor, son Won't you stay and keep Adeline company? Our second reading today is a poem by Marsha Brown called Morning Song. Marsha Brown served as poet laureate for the city of Portland and is the author of four books of poetry. Morning Song is from a collection published in 2010 called What on Earth? <laughs> Here I place a blue glazed cup where the wood is slightly whitened. Here I lay down two bright spoons, our breakfast saucers, napkins, white and smooth as milk. I'm stirring at the sink. I'm stirring the amount of dew you can gather in two hands, folding it into the fragile quiet of the house before the eggs, before the coffee, heaving like a warm cat, I step out to the feeder, one foot and then the other, alive on wet blades. Air lifts my gown, I might fly. This thistle seed I pour is for the tiny birds, this ritual for all things frail and imperiled. Wings surround me, frothing the air. I'm struck by what becomes holy. A woman who lost her teenage child to an illness without mercy said that at the end, her daughter sat up in her hospital bed and asked, what should I do? What should I do? Into a white enamel bath, I lower four brown eggs. You fill the door frame, warm and rumpled, kiss the crown of my head. I know how the topmost leaves of dusty trees feel at the advent of monsoon rains. I carry the woman with the lost child in my pocket where she murmurs her love song without end. Just this, each day. Bear yourself up on small wings to receive what is given. Feed one another with such tenderness it could almost be an answer. Way back in time, Tuesday, March 17th to be exact, I started a journal entry with the heading, Day One, Shelter in Place. At the time, I thought, 
My shelter-in-place pages would last just two weeks. Today marks day 20, and there are more to come. Each morning, words tumble willy-nilly onto the page, the first sip of coffee, notes on the morning sky, the daily migrations from the kitchen to the office to the living room, the laundry routines and trips to the grocery store. I ramble on about the fluctuating temperatures of my mood swings, which soar and sink depending on the headline. I scribble poems and prayers. I make lists. I take an accounting of my daily walks. A neighbor playing the penny whistle on the back porch a kid waltzing down the street in a polar bear costume, folks in line for their daily bread, the boarded-up storefronts and the handmade signs in neighbors' windows offering encouragement and hope. My word rambles attempt to capture the fragile history of this moment, but just as important, the pages help to calm my nerves, settle my heart, and bring some semblance of ease into my life. There's no good time for a pandemic, but I'm appreciative that we find ourselves deep in the regenerative rhythms of spring. The season helps alleviate those feelings of anxiety and fear that can take root like a nagging, persistent weed. Even in the torrent and the tumult of uncertainty, we find ourselves. Spring stays the course with an ease and a grace that appear divine. From my protected perch on the living room couch, I watch Bernal Hill, our neighborhood refuge, come to life. Bright orange poppies nestle between green meadow grasses. Explosions of milkweed burst from the hillside, outcroppings of wild iris and buttercup and lupin, a movable feast for the eye and the spirit. This week, gazing up at my hill, I think about Jerusalem, now and in time past. Around the city, hills burst with life, meadows, olive groves, fig trees and date palms, earth prepared for the seeds to take root. And amid this life-giving season comes the Palm Sunday story, where Jesus returns knowing his death is imminent. What is the lesson of the Palm Sunday story for this moment in time? For me, it's when Jesus tells us that above all and despite the circumstances in which we may find ourselves, we are called to love God and one another. Think about it. In a time when the headlines of the day read, end of the world coming, Jesus says, now is the time to extend your love. Don't retreat. Rather, reach for the heavens and back. In these uncertain times, how will we sustain the call to love one another and seek out ways to ease suffering? How will we make space in our lives to connect with that life-giving force, some call the name of God, some divine mystery, others by no name, or maybe love. What we need, I think, are love lessons to help ease the burdens of these troubled times. 
In a recent New York Times opinion piece, the Reverend Russell Moore, president of Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, tells this love story. My grandmother always kept several freezers and multiple pantries loaded with food and hid emergency cash in a cubbyhole behind the medicine. As a child, I rolled my eyes at these habits, but she would say, if you, have lived, if you had lived through the Great Depression, you would understand. I now realize that when I or my children are elderly, we will be saying similar things to our grandchildren. If you had lived through the Great Pandemic, you would understand. A pandemic is no time to turn our eyes away from the sanctity of human life. People who need to be working and who cannot work from home are suffering. Vulnerability is not a diminishment of the human experience, but is a part of the experience. Moreover, we bear witness that every human life is fragile. We are all of us creatures and not gods. We are in need of air and water and one another. A generation ago, he writes, the essayist and novelist Wendell Berry told us that the great challenge of our time would be whether we would see life as a machine or as a miracle. The same is true now. The value of a human life is not determined on a balance sheet. This pandemic will change us. That we cannot avoid. But let's remember, one day we will tell our grandchildren how we lived, how we loved during the great pandemic. For those of us lucky enough to shelter in place and practice the recommended safety precautions, the repeated routines day in and day out may leave us feeling more like a machine than a miracle worker. And if miracle worker feels too much of a weight, you could consider yourself a weight lifter, helping to lessen the burden that another has to carry. And when we lift that burden for another, we feel the weight lifted off of our own hearts too. For those on the front lines, it feels nothing short of a miracle as they practice their love lessons to help those who are suffering. Dr. Vicki Jackson, a palliative care doctor writes, we are standing on the edge of the ocean in the dark waiting for the wave to hit, and we have no idea how high the wave is going to be. In the midst of this powerful and unrelenting wave, these love practitioners find strength to face a new day, doing what they can to lift the weight and help ease the burden. The poet Caitlin Chan in her essay, Postcards from the Pandemic, writes, Today, like every other day, is a chance to begin again. This is the day that we step out, one foot, then the other, alive on the wet blades. With each step, we move closer into what some might call the holy and some call the truth that each of us carries the seeds of compassion within us that can help heal our own suffering and bring healing to those who are in need. A few days before my first shelter-in-place entry, I sat near the edge of Lagunitas Creek, absorbed in the sounds of the running water the warm winds blew across, spreading seed and flower and bits of pollen across the creek. I thought back to a talk by the Dharma teacher, Temple Smith. 
He spoke about living in a, in a meditative state, where, which he described as being in a stream of experiences that move quickly and slowly, are both internal and external, intimate, immediate, and ever-changing. Take refuge, he says, in this changing nature. Let it be the basis of your being. Now, let's face it, it is hard at times to stay in the flow, especially when the waters run high. We get caught in the tangle of pain and suffering and hold tight. Instead of being fluid, we freeze. To practice a meditative state, we need to stay in the flow of the stream, feel the currents shift and move around us, get up close and personal with its ever-changing nature. To be intimate with the flow, we must be present to ourselves and to those around us. In the stream, we discover new channels that help us to ease the burdens with as much kindness and love as we can manifest. Today, we are learning to swim in this dynamic duality to be intimate while also being apart, seeking out new ways to move in the flow and channel our love and compassion into the world. Each day comes new weight-lifting stories, the mask makers, the ventilator builders, the meal deliverers, the meal deliverers, the dance jams, the song circles, the meditation sanghas, and new ways of worship. I'll close with one last love lesson. The artist Lisa Liu has created a project she calls Apart Together. Apart Together is about connection and creativity during this time of isolation. Her invitation Create a comfort blanket out of old clothes and materials and piece it together into a quilt. She says, I've had my childhood comfort blanket my entire life. At this point, it's a tattered rag. It speaks to me of love and loss and magical thinking of a child to believe that if she had it in her arms, nothing bad could happen. Much as we want, we can't stop bad things from happening, but each day we are learning to ride the wave. We are finding ways to bring comfort and ease and help lift the burdens that weigh upon our hearts and to help ease the hearts of others. It's a new day another chance to rehearse the lessons of love. May we muster all the tenderness we can as we gently step forward and find our way back into the ever-moving stream.
of hope and the remembering of joy, the offering of gratitude, the receiving of grace, and the blessings of peace. Go in peace. Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org.